Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. And let's get in this word because, man, I'm telling you what, I am excited about this word. Let's look at the uh, Passion Translation, Matthew 6 and 5, and we're going to talk about prayer. Um, I kind of like had an idea with this because I really been really wanting to talk about prayer with you. So if we go to Matthew 6 and 5, I'm going to pull this apart for you to get this because not only is prayer scriptural, not not only is prayer, um, I think there's levels of prayer that I kind of want to share with you the next two nights. Um, This is stuff I've never really talked about but I had to fine-tune my own life to make sure, um, you know, I think, it's, um, I think it's huge. I think it's really, really huge, okay? Um, I think the thing we need to do is, is um, um, I think we just need to really just have a greater understanding of levels of prayer. Does that make sense? Like, you know, how do I do this? So look at, let's just look at this. Let's just read the word of God and I'll explain. Matthew 6 and 5, passion. Whenever you pray, be sincere. Not like pretenders who love the attention they receive while praying before others in the meetings and on street corners. Believe me, they've already received in full their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with Father God, praying to him in secret, and your Father who sees you or sees all you do will re- reward you openly. I mean, really, seriously, even, even prayer is private, but it is rewarded, amen? And we're not doing it for the reward, we're doing it because of relationship. When you pray, there's no need to repeat the empty phrases, praying like those who don't know God. They have already, they expect God to hear, these guys have what? For they expect God to hear them because of their many words. There's no need to imitate them since your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be centered on you or may the glory of your name be centered on, on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm Cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us our wrongs. We Forgive us all the wrongs we have done. And what? As we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Forgiveness is an element of prayer. We're going to talk about it. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. You are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Right? Now watch this. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. Okay? So that's a lot. But I want you to kind of go over this, okay? Now this is big. A couple weeks ago, I talked to you on a Sunday about misconceptions about prayer. You know what I mean? Like, man, why do we not pray? Okay, 
what what's happening, all right? And, and I, I could go back over them real quick, just so you, just so you could pull these in, because I, I kind of kept these here, because some of you are here for some of the stuff and some of you are not. What are our frustrations with prayer? Now, Jesus obviously made it clear that we should pray, and I think there's three, there's kind of like, there's probably 500 levels of this, but I think there's communication with God. I think there's scriptural, um, I think there's a, per, I think there's, a, that's the best way to say it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a personal side of prayer, and then there's a legal side of prayer. That's the best way probably to break it down. Okay? So the personal side of prayer is, man, I just want to talk to God, and God wants you to talk to him. But if I'm going to get results in praying, I have to get scriptural. Is that, okay? For me to get results in prayer beyond communication, I'm going to have to make it scripturally based to make sure I get the right results. Okay? So let me explain that. If I don't get scriptural, scripturally based in my prayer, I'm not guaranteed results in those situations. But there's a personal side of prayer that I almost ain't, I'm not really looking for answers. I'm having communication. So, just like a natural relationship, maybe like, you know, with your spouse or something like that, we don't need to make a decision about something. We just communicate. When we're communicating, if we have to make a decision about something, we come to a place of agreement. Agreement can only be found in God's word. If you don't agree with God's word, you don't have agreement. That's why you can't walk together, Amos 3 and 3. But what I want you to understand is, before we even get into praying in the name of Jesus, stay in scriptural in there, there's a communication side of God that I'm not looking for answers. I'm just hanging out in fellowship. The word fellowship is koinonia, meaning that me and God have fellowship. We have, we have relationship we have harmony, we have communication. Prayer starts the moment you get up. Communicating with God should be your consistent. But then there's certain things, I don't just need communication, I need answers, I need results. That's when I flip the script of becoming more scriptural because I don't need to be scriptural about something. Like say I get up and I'm like, just talking to God about life, you know, like, hey, man, you know, I really want to see, you know, I don't know. What do you talk to God about? You know, your pros, the cons, the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, the ugly. Now, usually my communication with God leads me to a place of scriptural prayer. So, for instance, I might be, maybe you're just like, I don't know, um, maybe you're just going through something. And in my communication, like, man, God, you know, I'm kind of going through. I don't have the same um, press. I don't have that same push. I don't have the same desire. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little lethargic in certain things when it comes to God. Whatever, right? Boom. That could be my communication. Usually after I communicate, God will lead me to a place of prayer to change 
or solidify or bring a result. This is good stuff, ain't it? Change, solidify, or bring a result to what we talked about. So say I come in and I'm like, man, I don't have the same pizzazz. I don't have this, I'm not as up about it. I'm not as excited about it. I think it's kind of like I'm holding on to a dream. I don't see it, you know, manifesting, whatever. It's, maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's um, a time thing. Maybe it's a, a lack thing. I don't know. But press pause. What God will do is he'll bring a scripture to my remembrance if I need it to give me what? He'll give me like James. I, I, right there, what I think of when I do that while I'm communicating, God would speak to me, draw a nigh to me and I'll draw a nigh to you. That's what I thought about number one, right? That's James like four. I think it's James four, eight, right? Draw a nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you, right? So that's one, right? Uh, how about this one? Man, if I'm feeling weak, the joy of the Lord is my strength. These scriptures just hit me. Let the weak say they're strong. Let, see what I'm saying? So you start, you start communicating, monologue, dialogue, speak to God, talk to God. Next thing you know, scriptural evidence. Now, if you don't have scriptures in you, this is going to be a little bit tough because you have to make sure you know a little bit of the word of God to get the, the God side of it to give you the answer. Otherwise, a lot of your communication could only just result in frustration because every time I start communicating with God, say you're like, oh man, went to the doctor, don't really like the report. This one's tough. You kind of go, oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? What about, and then you go, oh man, and you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Boom, then he'll bring, by my stripes, you are healed. First Peter, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus and Nazareth, what the Holy Ghost in power went about doing good and healed all those oppressed of the enemy. See what I'm saying? The scripture will arise, the prayer, the place of faith, the, the release, the hope for results. Ooh, come on, somebody. The hope for results is found in the word. Now, monologue and dialogue with God is phenomenal, but it doesn't solve, it comforts you, but it doesn't bring a solution until you get scriptural. So you go, oh, okay, I got it. Say you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta have money for this business. I gotta have financial increase. Money's easy because it's something you need all the time. And this is why I use it in the sermons for you to try to understand it. Man, I got a financial need or, oh, I wanna go do it. What's the first thing? You understand that by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, I've been made rich, right? And then you go, oh, okay, I release the faith. I got, see what I'm saying? And then once you do that, Come on, guys, what happens? Come on, you know what happens. What happens? Tell you exactly what happens. What happens is now, think about this so good. He gives you scriptural what? Help, and now you release that place of faith. You got it? Okay, good. So remember last, I think it was, um, oh, I know it was. It was in uh, July. You know, we talked about just a couple weeks ago. I said, well, why don't we pray? because we have misconceptions about prayer based upon these things. And I wanna go back over them just real quick because they're important. They're very, very important. So I think that really helps. So like Pastor Chris, because I thought like prayer for me was like, 
man, I don't want to be for, for, um, robotic. And I, I, you know what's funny? I thought about formatic. I don't even know if that's a word. It's definitely, definitely an option on a car. But you know what I mean? Like you're so format driven that it doesn't even become almost like a, a relationship, you know? Like you come up with a list and then you give it to God and he goes this. And then I start thinking like half the time, I don't pray like that. I don't do this. I just start talking to God. Communication is powerful. It brings you to a place where you need scriptural evidence to produce results. But here's the first step. Why do we not pray? See, this is the big one because we have misconceptions about prayer. And I don't know if anybody's explained it like I just did right now for you to get it. Like, oh, I commune with God. I hang out with God. I communicate with God. I become, the big one was what? He told you, he said, be sincere. That's transparency, man. If you're sincere with God, you know, come on, how are you gonna lie to God? You know, can you imagine? Hey, God, I'm not telling you the truth. Shocker, he knows your heart, man. He knows where we're at. Just say, hey, you know what? I'm not God. Your confession is not negative in God's presence as long as you're not complaining. Saying you feel like something is not who you are, you know? It's just, hey, I'm trying to get strength. How am I gonna get strength? He said, you go to the mercy seat and ask for grace to help in the time of need. How am I gonna go ask for help in the time of need if I don't tell him the help that I need in the time I need it. That's like a tongue twister. But you know what I mean? It's like, I gotta go to God for grace to help me in my time of need. If I went there and said, oh no, everything's all right, just stood positive in my confession, how can God give me the help I need? That's why I keep telling you guys, don't go blabbing your mouth to these people that can't help you. The only one that can help you is God. Go in the privacy of your prayer closet, you know what I mean? In the name of Jesus, man. Now, the name of Jesus, I'm gonna give you this, okay? Now, I'm gonna show you this, okay? Because God's been giving me the download on this. The reason why you enter into prayer in the name of Jesus is so Jesus can keep you cocooned in your frustration, okay? So God downloaded this to me. I was like, I don't pray in the name of Jesus, you know? I eventually finish in the prayer of the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. That was like the deal clincher. God showed me, no, it's the, it's the door opener. Go, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Spill your guts out. Because the name of Jesus is covering that thing in the blood. You see what I'm saying? And the name is powerful, man. So I could sit there and go, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I'm this, I'm that, I feel like this, I don't wanna do that. Man, when the blood, the name of Jesus is in there, the blood of Jesus is covering that time to keep it holy and keep it intimate. It's like your personal spiritual tent for you and God because the name of Jesus is covering it. It's like a Jesus tent, you know what I mean? So say like this, right? Say in the Old Testament, they would have to go into the, this is symbolic, man, you see what I'm saying? They would have to go into this tent, okay? And they would go in a tent and they would meet God in the tent of meeting and have this time with God, okay? It was a holy of holies. Well, now the holy of holies is in you. And when you say in the name of Jesus, you're putting that Jesus tent over your little chamber. That's why I think he gets in these concepts of enter into your closet 
Well, obviously, it's not, you're going to go sit in a closet. I used to do that when I first got saved. I used to go in the closet because, you know, it wasn't like I was being too, I was quiet in there, man, you know? I was like, you know, even in Bible school, I was like, man, I'm going in the closet because it's quiet. You know, you got roommates, you got noise. You can't sometimes get quiet. I want to get quiet. But here's what I want you to see. The Jesus closet is not per se a physical place where the, just like the tabernacle, I go into the tabernacle. No, you don't just go into the closet. You could be in the car and be like, in the name of Jesus, boom. It's like an invisible force shield. Come on, it's good stuff. Right? So the invisible force shield, the prayer is, I get in the car, you're ticked off, you're mad, you're ready to lose it. Some of you about ready to cuss, don't cuss, right? In the name of Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Boom. See this invisible shield, like a bubble. A spiritual bubble that cannot be that cannot be compromised between you and God. See what I'm saying? So why is that name so important? Not just to seal the deal, but to start the prayer. Big. Pastor Chris, I didn't know that. That's why you go to church. You see what I'm saying? And that gives you an understanding that, oh, I got it. This is my holy of holies. Man, look, the power of God in the holy of holies was so strong that human beings almost sometimes couldn't get out if they didn't come in right. The devil ain't getting in there. This is your holy of holies, man. You say, I'm in the holy of holies. You better believe it. It's in you. So when you use the Father, I come to you, start your prayer with Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and then spill your guts, and then get scriptural, and then thank him. Father, thank you that in the name of Jesus, you heard my petitions. And you go your merry way. This is big, but you start it and end it there. It's like a bubble. You ever see like one of those, you know what's funny, you know what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking this? You ever see those people, they get in that bubble, they put that big, big circle bubble, and they like... They like, somehow they roll in the bubble, they're in the bubble and they roll down the hill and you know, I don't know, they don't get all smashed up or something like that. They're in this bubble. When you say in the name of Jesus, you bubble yourself like an igloo. You just bubble yourself and you're covered with spiritual covering that cannot be seen with the natural eye but cannot be penetrated spiritually to use these things against you. Come on, somebody. It's not a negative confession because it's covered in the name of Jesus. And, And you know what's funny too? When you come in there with that mentality, you won't have as much complaining, but you'll have explaining. You'll come in there not complaining, but explaining like, I'm really overcome with the stress of life. I don't know what's going on. I'm emotional, I'm heavy laden, I'm burdened, I'm messed up. But you know what it is? You go searching for a solution when the name of Jesus is covering it. You don't just go in there for a place to complain. That's why you spiritually cover it with the name of Jesus, okay? So that's, that's powerful, right? So we got in these things and started explaining. Now, that's big. That's a lot, that's a lot, that's a lot of talking. You know what I mean? But a lot, that's good stuff because people don't know this stuff. You know what I mean? That's why you come to church. But Pastor Chris, I never heard that a day in my life. Yeah, no, that's why you come to church. I've told you I've been studying this out for you because I want to get you guys some truths. Now, watch this. Okay, these are what we're talking about. Well, why don't you pray? Well, we're frustrated with praying because of this. We have misconceptions about prayer, okay? One was we have a lack of understanding about prayer. Remember I said that a couple weeks ago? We have a lack of understanding about God. We have a lack of understanding about his word. We have a lack of understanding of everything that God's doing. We have a lack of understanding. Now, that can be removed with knowledge, okay? 
Now that's simple. Look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Okay, this is one of the best scriptural evidences you could ever find for prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Okay, King James is phenomenal. Reads real simple. Okay, and when you get it, just pop it up there and I'll read it. But this is the most important day. And this is the confidence that we have in him. What's that confidence that we have in him? God, if we ask anything according to his will, his word, he hears me. So we know when we get scriptural, we have what? Divine connection with God. And if we know that he hears us, which we know he hears us, if we what? Stay scriptural in our prayers. We know whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions, we desire him. So there you go. How does it get any better than that? So let's go slow and let's just look at it. This is the confidence we have in him. Who's him? God. Okay. What's the confidence we have in him? We have to be confident in that. That what? We know we have the petition we desire of him. Okay. Well, how do we know? Okay. Great. Let's just do it slow. This is the confidence that we have in him. What's the confidence we have in God? If we ask anything according to his will, his will is his word. What happens when you die? Most of you have a last will and testament. That is what you're leaving your loved ones. Jesus, the new testament, the old testament. He gave you a new testament to tell you what he was leaving you for your inheritance package. This is God's will, not just willingness, his will. This is his inheritance. This is what God said. The Bible is what God said. Jesus said, I am leaving you. I died. Here's your inheritance, the word of God. So when he says his will, he's saying his word. His word is his will. His will is his word. You see it? When we get scriptural, we know what? God hears us. Biggest misconception, God don't hear me. Well, some stuff you don't want God to hear you've been saying. Come on. That's some pretty bright teeth. Come on, right? I'm not trying to be funny, but you know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that true? Like, oh, my God, I hope God didn't hear that one. <laughs> you ever do that? Like, oh, man, I had a bad day yesterday. I hope God didn't get that one. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much hears everything. I hope to God when we get to heaven there's no DVDs of this stuff. You know, like, are we going to play this over? Hey, am I going to see everything you guys said about me? Let's hope not, for your sake. Man, that is funny. Can you imagine the blooper reel? Can you imagine if we get to see everything everybody ever said about us? That would be, oh my God, that would be so funny. That'd probably be hurtful though, right? People would be crying in heaven. <laughs> you know, that can't be right, right? But what you like, like to call somebody, I knew you never liked me. No, I'm just kidding, I'm playing, right? You'd be like, I knew you, I knew you used to look at me with that face. I knew you were mad at me. Come on, right? How about all the husbands and wives? Woo! Man, that's going to be something else, right? I knew, I knew you went in that garage. You were complaining about me, told me you were working on stuff. I knew you weren't working on stuff. You were working on yelling about me, right? If we, come on, it's funny. If we ask anything according to his word, we know he what? Hears us. Our biggest misconception with prayer is we don't think God hears us. God hears you because he loves you, Okay? So eradicate that and understand this. And if we know that he hears us, doesn't seem like we have too much problem knowing that if God heard me, he'd do it. So the key is not 
as much, you see it all through the Bible. Can God do it? Because it seems like even here in prayer, nobody has a problem with God being able to do it. But the question is, will he do it for me? That is the biggest misconception. You see that. If I know he hears me, oh, I know he can do it. But I don't know if he wants to hear me or he wants to reward me. But this is never based. Now, like, write this down. Get this burnness into your burnness into your DNA. Man, serious. He doesn't do it based upon anything in your character. He doesn't do it based upon your performance. He doesn't do it based upon your position in the earth. He doesn't do it based upon your status, church attendance, any of that stuff. He does it based upon his word. And everybody can have access to the word as long as you what? As you find it. Now, one of the hindrances is this. Forgiveness is a big one with prayer. Now, I don't know why, okay, God got so tied up with forgiveness in prayer, but he did. Now, that's not bad. I'm just trying to tell you, like, he's like, hey, look, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven, and I can't give you some of these petitions you're asking me of. So keep your heart clear in forgiveness. Forgive by faith and figure it out, but don't allow unforgiveness to block your prayer life. There are certain things people are blocking their, it's funny, I was watching this thing. It was disgusting, man, but I watched it because it was on my reel. It was like, man, this guy was like going in a ladder in his disgusting garbage, and he had to unclog this thing. It looked, reminded me of that dirty jobs thing, you know, like, oh my God, how nasty, right? I'm like, you can't pay me enough. But they were like, dude, he gets 10 grand to go down the ladder and go in this junk and I don't even know what it was, and clean it out. And I'm going, wow, that's a lot of money for something goofy, but I'm like, oh my God, it must be disgusting. It is. And I said, man, isn't that funny how you, sometimes you get clogged and, and even, even, even the, the, the most vile stuff you know, of our life is clogged and it stays clogged and it produces stagnation in your life. So man, Unforgiveness is like stagnation. It's just sitting there, no flow. You know what I mean? So once you say, I'm not going to forgive, man, you start becoming stagnant and you're, you're, you become like a pool and, and you can't get nothing to flow through you. And God's like, look, until you get rid of the unforgiveness, I can't, I can't answer these prayers. Now, it's a requirement to not block your prayer life because God Everything God's going to give you, this is a powerful truth. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. It, it says this, I'm doing this in your life, not based on you. I'm doing this based on forgiveness. He's telling, he's showing you something here. He's really, instead of looking at this like a negative, like, oh, now I got to get rid of my forgiveness. No, understand what God is basing prayer upon. He's not basing prayer upon you. He's basing prayer upon him. And he's saying, look, I gave you forgiveness as a gift. If you try to hold it back from somebody else, I can't give you the maximum forgiveness for your life. Therefore, it's going to hinder what I could do in your prayer life. We're going to stay right here. I need you to get that. Did you see what I just said? He's basing your prayer life on his forgiveness. Because if you hold back forgiveness to somebody else, he said, I can't do in your life what forgiveness wants to do for you. Holy smoke. Did you get that? 
prayers based on his forgiveness. That's great. Like, oh, my church attendance things. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't want, who cares? God's like, look, listen, now you go, this is why you go to church, though, to learn this stuff. People don't know this stuff. This is all brand new. I'm talking about brand new material. I'm telling you, the next, the next, from now until we go home to be with Jesus, we're done with the mundane. We're going into a place of revelation, the greatest teaching revelation that maybe the earth has ever seen. I feel like we're on the cusp of stepping over because the grosser the deception becomes in the earth, the clearer the light is gonna become in the church. That's what's happening. That's why them that don't have their heart right will fall by the wayside. But them that do will lead you to the light. I don't care who you see. Let me tell you right, right now, you better not stop with this goofy, well, you know, there's my, you know, oh, the TV preacher. And all. I don't care who it is. You better go find chapter and verse and prove it. And don't give me your opinion. Give me the word of God, okay? Because this ain't the way this thing goes. The, work, the closer we get to the end, the worse it's going to get everywhere. Deception is going to run rampant, okay? So Jesus said this. That was pretty big, right, when he got on that, on that thing. The misconceptions are, man, you better get rid of, you better forgive. You say, well, Pastor Chris, I don't want to forgive. Well, we have to forgive. It's not easy, but you have to do it because it's a big one. So the unbelief is a problem, our, our lack of understanding, unbelief, right? We talked about unbelief the other week. How about this, impatience? Oh, my God, right? We're so impatient. Like, hey, and a lot of big things, problems we have this, previous experiences in prayer have hindered us from future prayers. Because we just get to the point where we're like, man, you know, it, it didn't work out the way I thought it was. Well, don't worry about it. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Don't worry about it. Just because it didn't work out or the experience wasn't the way we thought it was doesn't mean God still doesn't do what he said he's going to do. So pull that foundational truth in and, and stay right here. Jesus said the massive hindrance. You want to go there and see it? Let's go to, um, and then we'll wrap this up for tonight, and we'll come back. I haven't been giving you a lot, 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 because too much is too much. You take these home, you digest it, and you go, okay? So look at Matthew 6 and 12, passion. Sounds really good. You know, for, when he says, Forget, forgive us our wrongs we have done, because this is big. Why do you want us to forgive us our wrongs? Because forgiveness is the flow of prayer. Prayer's strength is found in God's forgiveness because God gave his only begotten son and became the sacrifice of forgiveness so me and you could be connected back to God. The moment me and you become connected back to God, we start realizing, hey, I got it. This is what it's based on. Very, 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 very important. So look at Matthew 6 and 12. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. So he says, hey, forgive me for what I've done wrong and I'm gonna forgive everybody that's wronged me. Keep the flow of forgiveness open. Why? Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you're the king who rules with power and glory forever, amen. Man, now watch 14 and 15. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others. Now, we asked for forgiveness before, but here's what he's saying. Since I forgave you, you got to forgive others 
right? But make sure, he's telling you, pay attention. You better make sure you have forgiven everybody else their faults so that your Father in heaven can forgive me. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, God will withhold forgiveness for you. So wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at the tie. Let's just say this. Praying and forgiveness are hand in hand. Why would my forgiveness affect my prayer life? Why? Why? He didn't say faith. He didn't listen. Unless it's the prayer of faith, he didn't even say faith. He didn't say hope. He didn't say word. He didn't say. He said forgiveness, because forgiveness is the foundation that you have to build your prayer life upon. I'm telling you, I'm gonna talk about it tomorrow, man. I'm telling you what we should do a three-day summit, man, and just keep this stuff coming. What do you mean forgiveness? Forgiveness is the foundation of prayer. The more you understand God's forgiveness, the better prayer you're going to become. Because we think prayer is based upon, like, performance. Well, you know, no, prayer is based on forgiveness. And the better I'm at forgiving others, the, the fuller my prayer life becomes. And the person that has an understanding of God's forgiveness is a prayer. I'll prove it to you. Remember Jesus in the Bible? Well, maybe we could talk about this tomorrow. You know what I mean? But remember Jesus. Here, let, 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 me, let me find this for you real quick. Maybe, maybe I'll find it. I'll, I'll see how I'm doing, right? But this is big um, because if you're not careful, um, you, you can almost get like tied up with religion in prayer. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that, man. Uh, I mean, um, I think it's so important that we don't get caught up in this religiosity of it because you won't pray. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Pious nonsense, it's almost kind of goofy, right? But um, I think it's big because God will forgive anything, man. But the thing is you gotta be careful of that you make sure you understand, you know, forgiveness was connected to healing. Same power that forgave you is the same power that healed you, right? Same power that saved you is the same power that, come on, saved you, healed you. Okay, go over here. We're going to start right here. Um, let's go to Luke 7. King James is great. You know, and I think we can start with um, um, 7.44. Just to make sense. Okay, and then I'll let you go here. You could probably read a little bit further than that because Simon starts, in that. Um, you know, you can start with 736. Let's start with 736. Let's, for time's sake, let me just read it, learn the point, give me an extra five minutes. It's going to be, I'm telling you, the story's really going to hit your life. Luke 736, it says, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. It's a powerful story. It's going to really reveal the heart of forgiveness, and have you have an understanding like, wow, man, is forgiveness, forgiveness is the number one foundational principle. Now, righteousness is running neck and neck, but forgiveness is really the catalyst to start the praying. Forgiveness starts the, the, starts the catalyst for the praying. Righteousness is the first rung of the ladder that you stand on to know, hey, he's not doing this because I'm a hotshot. 
or I'm a, whatever. He's doing this because of my position of righteousness. Does that make sense? So if you're going to say anything, the, the standing, like if you put a ladder on the concrete, you know what I mean? Just say you put ladder on the floor. You say the floor would be forgiveness. The first rung of the ladder would be righteousness. Is that a good analogy? Like, you know, forgiveness. Ladder on the forgiveness, man. It ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. Right? And then you start climbing up the rung. Righteousness is the first rung of the ladder. Now look at this. One of the Pharisees desired him, Luke 7, 36. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the house of the Pharisee and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, right? That's a good, that, that's like, boom, flat out, man. She is a sinner. I don't know about you, but man, that's like, that's not holding back, right? When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, anointed them with the ointment. Now watch this. Now when Peter, I'm oh sorry, now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she's a sinner. She said, man, get this, this, this lady don't even need to be touching him, right? And Jesus answered and said it to Simon, I have somewhat to say against you, Peter. What was he saying? He said in a master seance, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him 500 penance and the other 50. So saying, like, guy, owes him, guy owned five million bucks and another guy owed like 50 bucks. You know what I mean? And when he had nothing to pay, right, he frankly forgave them both. And if you go on to read the story, you read the whole story. Like the guy owed him five, five million, the guy that owned 50 bucks, the guy forgave the guy the $5 million debt. He was like, yay, great, awesome, you're forgiven, goes on. He finds somebody that he had owed him 50 bucks and starts choking the guy. He's like, are you kidding me? You just got forgiven 5 million bucks and you're gonna hold this guy for $500? What are you, a nitwit, right? You're thinking, let him go. Well, guess what? He wouldn't do it. The guy that forgave the guy the 5 million, he said, hey, if he's gonna be that kind of guy, throw him in jail. Make him owe me what he owes me. He's that, that's what he's trying to get you to see. God forgave you so much. God forgave everything. How are you going to hold the guy at, you know, at work that's talking about you? Let it go. I don't care how big it is. I know it's not easy, but it's not as big as what you did. It's not as big as what I did. And it might be this, but it's not as big as what sin did. That's what you always got to do. This is the big problem with forgiveness. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it like, well, I didn't do anything. So why should I forgive that person that's done something to me? Because sin did something to you. You're not forgiving people based upon what you did. You're forgiving people based upon what sin did. That's why Jesus paid the price for sin. He didn't pay just the price for you. He paid the price for what sin did to you. So when he took sin on him, you don't have to put sin on nobody else. You better go home and meditate on that. Okay? He said what? He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 penance, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he forgave them both. 
Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he whom he forgave most. And he said, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto her, woman, I entered into that house. He said, Simon, I'm still mad at you. You want to know why I'm mad at you? He wasn't being offended, but he said, I came in your house. You see this woman? I entered in your house, Simon. You didn't give me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears. She wiped him with the tear, her, her head. You didn't give me no kiss. You didn't give me no cloth to wash my feet, but she did it with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but she kissed my feet. Come on, you, my head, you didn't anoint with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth much. And he said unto you, your sins are forgiven. Amen? It's, it's a great eye-opening of understanding for you and me to get this, that when your life is full of a revelation of how much you've been forgiven, you have no problem forgiving people, you have no problem loving people, and you have no problem, you have no problem with the human factor. The human factor is eradicated for the person who understands forgiveness. He doesn't allow human interaction and the things of humanity to affect him spiritually, but he affects humanity with his spirituality all the time. That is why your life and your prayer life must be based upon the power of forgiveness. I promise you it's true. Study forgiveness. We'll talk more about it tomorrow, but I want you to see the element in the operation of forgiveness in your life to be the base of your prayer life. I really like that analogy. I've never given it before. So if this table... Okay, so let's just say this table right here is a table of forgiveness. So the thing would be like, if you had the ladder, we'll use the iPad, the ladder, right? The ladder is going up, right? The ladder, here is the table of forgiveness, okay? This is the table of forgiveness. The first rung is righteousness. The second rung might be faith, you know? Or the righteousness, the word of God, faith, you know what I mean? And you keep building up the rung. But the, the foundation principle of prayer is the power of forgiveness. Amen? Come on, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person watching the summit. I thank you for tonight. I thank you that this word has been imparted and implanted in their spirit and it's transforming their mind. I thank you for tomorrow is going to be supernaturally powerful because they're going to take what they've learned and they're going to apply it to their life and they're going to transform their future. Thank you for the power of forgiveness to give us an effectual prayer life. And most of all, thank you we have communication which produces scriptural prayer that changes our tomorrow. Thank you, Father, for leading us, guiding us, and helping us. Teach us how to be better prayers and teach us, most of all, how to be great forgivers because we've been forgiven so much. Now we'll forgive many of what they've, the faults or whatever it is, we're gonna forgive them. Let's just take a minute and let's pray. Right now, maybe you're holding it back. Maybe you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody, something, maybe something happened. Maybe it's been affecting your life. Maybe tonight's word just really caught you, grabbed you, grabbed your attention, changed something. Let's say, man, let that go. I wanna pray with you. Remember, you forgive by faith, and then your feelings will catch up. Don't wait for the feelings of it. Just do it anyway, because the moment you forgive is the moment you release the ability to see that forgiveness change your life forever. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, just say this out loud. Father, I forgive. I forgive the people that hurt me, that wronged me. I forgive them now. By faith, in obedience, to your word, and to my prayer, I release them now. Thank you for giving me forgiveness. 
and opening up my heart and opening up my prayer life to you, your mercy, your grace, and your word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Well, praise the Lord, man. I'm happy you prayed with me. I'm excited that God's moving in your life, and I am so happy for you to understand powerful principles about prayer. We're gonna come back tomorrow. Thank you for sharing. Share right now. Don't forget, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, online only, we're going to be coming back with principles of prayer. We're going to solve some problems about prayer, and I promise you, we might even just run right into the weekend about prayer. I think I'm going to just run right into the weekend about prayer, so this way you get about a good three-part series to help you become the person that God's called you to be and have your prayers connect to heaven like never before. I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.